Hey, thanks for checking out the Blake Benz podcast. This episode's a fun one. I sit down with Max Trailer. What Max does for a living is he helps coaches and marketers basically productize their intellectual property. It's a fascinating episode. I think you're going to enjoy it. Check it out. And hey, by the way, it's Christmas week. As you're traveling, I want to wish you well. Have a happy holiday and a Merry Christmas and enjoy your time with your family. Enjoy this episode and I will catch you next week. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Blake Benz Podcast. Today, I am rocking out. It's early on a Monday morning, and I am sitting with the man, Max Trailer. He shows and teaches people how to monetize their intellectual property. He's going to be talking a little bit about sales and marketing today. Max, thanks for joining the show. Brilliant. Happy to be here. It is early, by the way. <laughs> Earlier for you, but like this is, a, this is a first. I'm excited about it. I've got enough coffee. Let's rock and roll. Well, so I got I to gotta already say, man, the microphone sounds great. So I, I am being blessed by you this morning because you have your own nice microphone because you're a podcaster yourself, right? Well, look, let me give a shout out because this thing changed my life. Marantz, M-A-R-A-N-T-Z, professional turret, $200, HD camera, light. This microphone's on a boom and it's one uh, USB plug into my computer. I have a graveyard of stuff in my desk. This, this thing's the bee's knees. You need it. There's no excuses. You know, what's really funny though is when we first spoke, which we spoke, I guess, a few weeks ago, it's so funny how like once you meet someone who has a nice microphone, how you like perk up because it's like, oh, I can actually hear this person as opposed to, you know, <laughs> you know, like the call, especially like, and we weren't having like a sales call, but you know, like, especially like the sales call where it's like, are you in a wind tunnel? Like what's going on? And so I appreciate that your beautiful voice is coming through clear. I appreciate you. <laughs> so let's 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 just dive right in, man. Um, tell me a little bit. Tell our listeners a little bit. Like, what do you what do you do professionally? You have an incredible story. So I don't I don't know if we want to start there, but you know, tell me tell me what do you what are you doing for people? Uh, well, I help really smart people uh, sell their expertise. You know, and depending on who I'm talking to, it it sounds you know a little different. But agencies are my most common marketing agencies are my most common customers, and they're running around with sub five percent profit margins, selling stuff uh, that people in India can do, uh, that people coming out of college are doing for cheaper. The industry's commoditized, and they're all get, so they all come to me and say, "Oh, well, you know, I want to be more profitable because I can't I can't hang on much longer." And I say, well, you know, what do you think the most valuable thing that you do is? And, and most commonly, the answer is planning, strategy, uh, road mapping, that sort of thing. But nobody charges for that, at least, at least not the people I talk to with these profitability problems. So the simple solution is to look at the planning, the strategy, the how-to of the business, and look at that as the most profitable thing that you're doing. And everything else has the opportunity cost of not doing that really profitable thing. So I help them package up the plans. I help them package up the strategies and sell them as uh, consulting retainer engagements. Mm -hmm. And uh, the fun part is once you start doing that strategic work over and over, you can start to package it up in different ways that are uh, much more scalable, like so, group workshops and yeah. uh, licensing programs and that sort of thing. 
Yeah, yeah. What, why is it that, because it's, it's interesting to me how I hear these stories of people who are running their business and, and I don't know if, which by the way, I don't know like your, your business background. I never went to school for business. And so for me, part of what's been useful for me are these things that like aren't necessarily academic, but make sense to me that have worked out well for my clients. So like management, for example, when we talk about management, I didn't go to school for how to be a manager. I just, I talk about not being a douchebag to your, <laughs> you know, to your employees and like actually yeah. like, you know, knowing how to serve those people well. And that, that my clients for, for whatever reason, are like, yeah, I like this. Right. And so it's kind of common sense in the same way. Whenever I hear you talk about these low profit businesses, it doesn't make sense to me. And I don't, I don't quite understand. And maybe it's because, you know, so I had, a, I was part of an agency, part of a firm where it wasn't scalable and there wasn't a lot of profit happening. And so maybe, maybe that's my bias in terms of like, why would people do this? But tell me about like the people you engage with and why, why have they set their business model up in a way where they do have these products that they're only taking 5% or they're only, you know, what, how does that happen from the get go? Yeah. Um, well, no one is being taught how to run an agency in, you know, in any traditional way, like higher education. I, I went to an entrepreneur school. I focused in marketing. Not a word was said about how to set up a business for marketing. Ain't that ironic. Number one entrepreneur yeah. school in the world, focus in marketing. They just teach you marketing things. They don't, they don't teach you how to run a business of marketing. Uh, and we don't talk about current market trends and that sort of thing. So you have to learn by doing and you look at where all the education towards mm. marketing, uh, marketing agencies is coming from, and it's coming from marketing technology. That's where all the money is. There's, there's millions of dollars being invested by marketing technology companies to train marketing agencies. The people that are telling agencies how to be agencies have never run agencies before. <laughs> That's the way it goes, right? <laughs> right. And then we come to these big, uh, you know, these big conferences and everyone's shaking their pom-poms celebrating employees and revenue. Mm -hmm. They call it growth. I call it complexity. <laughs> mm. And that's exactly what they're doing. But the big software companies don't care. They just need an army of button pushers. So people are following directions. They're celebrating in groups of their peers. Uh, and the only thing they're trying to do is grow by employee count and by revenue, the number of clients, because that's what benefits the software company. So conspiracy theory or not, I've been talking to agencies on my podcast for five years. None of them are profitable unless they're selling their knowledge. Hmm. Well, and it feels like a, a bit of our like investor, how our investor culture works is people are basically rewarded for those big numbers and for talking about two things. I mean, it's, it's essentially being able to say we are growing and the best two ways to do that is by saying our team's getting bigger and our revenue line is getting larger. And it's, it's, I think you've made a good point in that it's a bit of a shallow metric in the sense of what are we actually doing here beyond just, you know, stroking the ego of our investors and making them excited about investing more money. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're in the, you know, if, if you're in investor town as an agency, which not many agencies are because most agencies are in a position where the smartest person in the room, if they were to disappear, the agency would fall apart. Yeah. And, and this is the big, this is the big problem. Like there's the owner of the business or there's the head consultant and they come in and they make magic happen on every account. And there's no process. There's no rhyme or reason to it. There's just a magical person 
Yeah. And the whole point of selling your agency is that you, the magical person, get to exit. Yeah. Well, in most cases, if that happens, everything everything goes to shit. So um, if if by some miracle the agency owner has uh, removed themselves from the business, they've put systems in place. Um, they, they've uh, they've created processes. There's other people running the business. Um, they're still in a position where profit margins are low and they're selling things that are becoming commoditized faster than we could think. Mm. Mm. So the investors look at it as a, a, a relatively small multiple on the existing book of business that they have. That's very different than a business that has intellectual property that's generating passive income that is scalable. Mm-hmm. Well, and it, and it feels like there's two different conversations that we can go with this in the sense of, you know, part of me, I think it's pretty interesting. It's the ego driven, you know, magician, so to speak, who loves being at the center and b- who's resistant to develop those systems that you're talking about because it just feels so good to be the guy. Separate from that, when we talk about intellectual property, it's interesting how, you know, I actually just, I read a um, question yesterday on Facebook. Someone said, hey, I read this book, you know, I can't remember what the book was, but let's just say it's like Strengths Finders or something, you know, some like major book. She said, hey, I read this book. I'd like to build an online course out of it. Is it okay if I do that as long as I say, Hey, it comes from this book, but it's just to be clear, it's going to be all of their content. And I thought, you know, don't you have something like of your own that you'd want to offer other than just repackaging, you know, not that there aren't plenty of businesses that are profitable in that way, but going back to your point on what's actually intellectual property and even less, even less, you know, is it or not? I mean, obviously it is, you know, their intellectual property, but building your business on something that isn't even part of your expertise, it doesn't seem like a very good strategy long-term. Well, you know, I think online classes are the worst thing that most people can do for themselves. Yeah. What, what do you think of that? <laughs> well, um, but, I, right now there's, there's a total guru culture, right? I mean, it's 99% of the, 99% of the online classes that you, I mean, I'm not going to say they're terrible because I offer three of them, right? And so 99% of what's out there, it's, it's a guru self-described who's selling something that is at an incredible price in the sense of it's, it's a large price. Usually it's like 1997 or, you know, put $1 down and you can get in. And what they're doing is they are essentially manipulating buyers into, you know, follow this course and you'll be a Facebook ad expert. When there's agencies that are spending tens of thousands of dollars that that is literally their career and they're not profitable in it. And so Go ahead. Well, you know, content aside, let's say, let's say somebody had the most brilliant content in the world uh, and it, it just blows people away. The reason, the reason that uh, most consultants fail launching an online course is because they have survived to date in a high value, high price, low volume business. The way they sell, the way they market themselves, the way they conduct their business is to close one or two new deals a month at very high prices. Sure. Then when they launch a course, they go, okay, now let's try this thing over here that's high volume, low value in the hundreds of dollars, even if it's, you know, even if it's a thousand dollars, it's not, sure. it's not the hundred thousand dollar engagements that they've been used to. Um, and it, so it's a volume game, low value. They're not prepared for it. That's why they fail. They're trying to do something they've never done before 
with money attached to it. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the simple solution, and, and the reason I think that you can't charge, usually what these people do when they put together an online class is just teach people things. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot more value to be had in an online experience, but that results in the same exact thing that would happen if you were working together with somebody one-to-one. If I put together a go-to-market strategy for somebody, my class should not be about how to do a go-to-market strategy. My class should be going through the exact same steps, the exact same templates that I go through Mm -hmm. as a consultant and results in a completed go-to-market strategy. Mm -hmm. There should be no difference in the process that you do one-to-one, the process that you license to people, the process that you put uh, into an online class, and um, in the case where you're getting the same result, why charge less? You know, we're not going to charge $100,000 for an online course, but um, th- this, is, this is something that if you, look at, uh, if you look at sales consulting, they're 10 years ahead. Hmm. Sales consultants don't sell $100 online classes. Sales consultants sell a $20,000 to a $50,000 sales strategy and then say, okay, Mr. Client, how many sales reps do you have? Oh, you have 200? Okay calculator, discounted rate. Okay, great. So we're going to give you access to our online certification program for every one of your reps. And you said 200 people. So we're going to give you a 50% discount. We're going to charge you $100 a head per month for the 200 employees that you have. And now they're getting passive license revenue on a monthly basis for 200 people all at once. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're using what they're good at doing, selling big accounts, and they're adding the intellectual property, the scalable thing on the back end of that, rather than saying, hey, everybody, let's figure out how to sell, you know, 200 seats tomorrow, and here's the numbers on advertising, and let's buy this guy's course on how to do it. I haven't met anybody that it's worked for. I mean, I see these, I see these big guys that are so, uh, you know, successful, um, but in five years, I haven't interviewed one person that's, that's been, uh, that's had a self-sustained mm-hmm. online course without adding a person for accountability, without adding some sort of consulting around it, or without already having sold a large engagement on the front end. Mm. Yeah, and, and, and you know, I, I know a couple of them personally, and you know, I, think it, I think it goes against just basic sales strategy to only sell a course and not try to tack something on with it. These people are selling, I mean, it's, it's in some ways, it's their foot in the door, right? I mean, it's the, it's the first purchase of many, and so I, whether they are, I, I don't know if I would describe them as the most ethical of people. Uh, I don't know if I would want to be in the same room as them, but I know one of them, for example, I mean, very literally, as soon as you have bought, he's working you for an extremely high ticket, you know, one-to-one coaching agreement. Um, you know, hey, I'll be your CMO for your business. It's only going to cost you $25,000, you know, things like that. And I think what's a bit what's a bit less interesting is the business model, and what's a bit more interesting is, in general, I don't know how sustainable these programs are because there's quite a bit of sales strategy in the form of just manipulating people. Like, how do I convince people? Hey, I will show you and teach you how to do this. Other than, uh, which is separate from what you're talking about. On, hey, I'm actually going to you're going to have the product. You're going to be able to go do that. I think a lot of people are just trying to sell information and it's, I don't know what that does for a brand long-term, especially when people over time realize, Hey, I've spent this much money and I still, I'm still in the same place that I was, you know, six months ago. Yeah. 
I mean, you know, there, I have a lot of bias because I, I failed doing it myself. I had a $3,000 uh, $3, course and it did have some deliverables, but just a course alone, $3,000, walking people had a, walking people through how to do what I do and 5% would do anything, let alone finish. 5% would go through, you know, a reasonable uh, amount of the pieces. And um, I just thought that was a waste of time, regardless of how much money I could be making. And I realized that the, the more I charged, the more likely they would be to take action. Right. So now if, you know, if, if the first thing I do is $15,000, they're going to take action. Mm -hmm. And so I, I just started there and then, and then sort of uh, researched all the people that are doing it backwards, meaning that you know, everybody's talking about the funnel and sell them something for $5, then sell them something for $100, then sell them something for $25,000. But I'm a solopreneur. You know, I've got a 16 month old. I can't be wasting time with people that only have a hundred dollars and aren't going to do anything. Mm -hmm. I only want to talk to the people where in the first conversation I can say, well, I'm pretty expensive. And they go, well, I got a pretty big freaking problem. And I go, all right, let's spend some time together. Mm -hmm. They cut a check. And now I know that everything I talk to them about is probably going to be followed through on, f mm -hmm. followed through on. Yeah. Well, and there's, you know, it's interesting how, and I, I, I see this a lot in people who feel uncomfortable around pricing and they feel uncomfortable with, and, I, and you would know this really well anyway, of just, you know, people who there's a whole separate conversation of they don't, they don't actually believe in themselves enough to actually charge what they're worth. And so they'll mm. say, you know, I don't, I don't want to charge this because I don't want to, and you're like, no, no, you actually just, you just don't believe in yourself to charge that. But separate from that, um, I think what's interesting is people who feel really uncomfortable with these high ticket prices, especially for their own agency. And then they are surprised to find that the quality of their customers really, the quality isn't there because they are doing that, you know, hundred dollar or sub 1000 or what have you. Um, what, what's been your experience with that? Well, I'd, I'd be the first person to buy this research report because I sure don't know. But here's, here's my experience. My experience has been that, yes, most, most people are not confident enough to charge what they're worth. And so I, I end up being the therapist in trying to convincing themselves, A, to charge for it, and B, to double the price because whatever they select is astronomically low compared to what it's worth. And I think the first thing that happens is they say, well, you know, what I've found is people are driven by their contribution to their clients. They will not help themselves, but they will do something to help their clients. And the reason they get into this mess is because their perception is if I give this to my clients, I'll build so much trust. I'll be so credible uh, that they will work with me and we'll have a long-term relationship, right? Sun sunshine and rainbows. In reality, free equals not valuable. Whatever you give away for free, especially if it's the most valuable thing that you do, you're never going to be able to charge for it. And so now you're giving away what you do, what you're best at. You're never going to make any money. And, and that's where struggling entrepreneurs come from. The mind trick uh, that has worked, the only thing that's worked is to show people that it is their obligation. If they want to make something happen, it is their obligation to charge for it, not for their sake, but for their client's sake. The reason you put a big price tag on it is because your clients need to understand that these recommendations are the most important thing to follow. Your knowledge of what to do. When I put, when I put this plan in front of you, when I do my analysis, when I, when I tailor my system or whatever it is to your situation, 
that's a very serious conversation. And if you don't listen, we're going in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. So I, I would do it for free. I would love to do it. But you know what? I, I got to keep my lights on and you're not going to listen to me if I give you to it for free. So it's going to cost you $10,000. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's so funny what you're saying too, because I, I, I can envision like the client, I can envision someone saying, you know, like, no, like I would take it seriously if you'll just, you know, even if you charge me less and I, I, I haven't seen that to be the case. I no, haven't met anyone not. who's, you know, hey, thanks for the deal. In fact, I, I think of everyone I've ever cut a deal for, I can think of maybe one where the end result I felt really, I felt good about how serious they took it. And, not, and yeah. I, don't think, I don't think anyone's being flippant. I think that what can happen is, you know, every business owner has a list of like their hundred things that they're worried about and thinking about. You know, whether that's website, you know, next customer, management, what have you. And it's less about they just don't care. But I have seen that when the price is less, you know, you move from top three, which is actually what they need to be focused on, down to, you know, number 12. And it's it's just out of sight, out of mind a little bit. And look, yes. I mean, there's, there's so many reasons why you should just consistently increase your prices. I mean, you want to get the best work out of yourself, double your price. So talk to me about, because there's a bit of a disconnect here in the sense of, I I think, you know, there's the 97% who it's like the price just needs to go up. And it's like, yes, especially, especially people who are a bit newer to business. I feel like they they haven't experienced pricing so much, but then there's this, this really small percent of people who they've jumped onto this, this pricing conversation and it's like, yeah, bump it up, baby. You know, get the price higher. But when you actually talk to them, you realize they're, the disconnect is they're really not offering much in terms of something that is real and something that is actually specific to their expertise. You know, it's like the person, for example, it'd be like the person who repackages someone else's book and then says, you know, oh, well, Max says I need to double my price. I'm just going to double it. And then they're frustrated thinking, well, why is why is no one still buying? You know, how do you help people with that disconnect of understanding, yes, yes, double it, but in the first place, let's make sure you actually are offering something that's real and meaningful and makes an impact. And, and this is probably my biggest problem with guru culture is, does it actually do what you say it will do? Yeah. You know, that whole conversation. I mean, what do you, what do you think about all that? All right. So two, you, you had two questions. Let's do the, uh, let, let's do the, what you're offering first yeah, yeah. and then how you can charge a lot for it. Um, what you're charging. There, I, I don't think there's, I don't think there's anything new out there. At least we all start every single client, every single person I meet starts at a point where like, yeah, I've heard that before. It's either like, have I heard it a thousand times or have I like read it in somebody's book? Mm-hmm. And I, I do not believe that that matters whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Like the reason I can read, the reason somebody reads Traction, right? The book Traction, Gino Wickman, EOS guy. The reason people read that book, which has everything in it, it's a, it's a freaking guide. You can just follow directions. And then they go spend $10,000 a quarter for a professional implementer to come in is because you can give away all the information. That's not the magic. The magic is getting people to do something with it. So the, the key word that everyone should take away is actionable. You have to take your knowledge and make it actionable for your clients. If it's not actionable, it's completely useless or it's a book and somebody's gonna, somebody should pay $5 for it. 
and not expect to get any results because who reads a book and then changes their life? Nobody. Uh, so that's what people need to be selling. I don't, I don't care how simple it is. In fact, the simpler, the better. My first product that I licensed to people all over the world was the most basic content strategy you could, you could possibly imagine. And because it was so basic, it was actually very actionable. Like people, it was really hard to screw it up. And so we, you know, as, as consultants, we throw complexity, we throw everything we have at strategy because we're paranoid. We're paranoid because there's not enough value. Hmm. What we really should be paranoid about is, is it actionable? And, and the more things we throw in there, the more complex we make it, the less actionable it is, the more likely a client's just going to go, well, I have no idea what to do with this. I guess you have to pay you more money to do it. And, and that's where the bad reputation for strategy comes from. So that's what I have to say about what you're selling. Now, you could have the most actionable value strategy, valuable strategy in the world, but it would be completely useless to somebody. And to someone else, it would be worth millions of dollars. And I always look at strategy as an insurance policy. And you're, you're able to charge, you are insuring whatever their existing investment is. We have to be going after people that are already spending money, that have already gotten their teeth bashed in. Like nobody, nobody gets dental insurance, nobody wants dental insurance until they get their teeth smashed in. So for marketers, instead of, instead of looking for people that don't have any employees, haven't spent any money on marketing, and, and we're going, oh boy, oh, I'd be super excited to help them you know, break through that threshold. No, negative. Go find someone with employees because we have to pay their benefits. We're terrified of firing these people. We're probably going to get sued if we do. So that, number one, is a huge indication that there's a lot of budget going into marketing and they're not getting good results. Nobody's getting good results. And so uh, the, what you can charge, like you can't just raise prices. You have to change who you're selling to. That's the solution. Mm. You got to go find people that are already spending money and uh, they're investing in their own disappointment. They're spending money, they're disappointed, and all you have to do is come in and say, hey, you're spending a million dollars on marketing, or whatever, this is true for any industry, right? I'm the guy that can create a plan that will get you the most return out of your existing investments and your existing team. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And why work with me? Well, you can continue to do what you're doing and spending all this money and not getting any results. That's fine too. Or... It's going to cost you $20,000, which is basically nothing compared to what you're spending, uh, to have a plan to make all this work. Mm -hmm. and, and, man, I love what you just said. I mean, that was great. I, I'm thinking about even like the actionable piece. And it, listening to you reminds me of, I had a client who I was showing some, some just like management content to. And she was like, oh, I've, I've seen this before. Like, what's the new thing? What's the new thing on management? Because that's what I want to. That's what I want to dive into. And I remember I kind of laughed, thinking, well, "We've been saying the same thing for the last hundred years in terms of you know business strategy, except for some nuances that have changed." So, like for example, you know nowadays, you know the boss isn't the dictator, so to speak. The boss is a coach, and their job is to you know elevate their employees. But in terms of like what's changed, I mean, a, a lot of stuff that's been around is it's. You know, you don't, you don't have to go far to find information on how to run your business. What I love about what you said is I remember I was sharing a book with a group of people and I said, hey, you should buy this book. And a friend of mine pulled me aside and said, no one cares about what's in the book because they could, they could go read it on their own. They're not going to though. What they need is they need someone to show them 
how to actually implement the things that are in the book. And that's what's valuable. You know, it's funny that we live in this time of so much free information, and yet there's still an awesome opportunity to exactly what you're saying, monetize your influence, monetize what you can, what you can do for people. Um, I, I think you're making some really insightful points. Yeah. And you know, that holds, that holds a lot of people back. Everyone says, Oh, I don't, I don't have anything unique to contribute. I'm like, your, your DNA is completely unique. Your life is completely unique. Your experiences, um, what you have and haven't done, you bring a unique solution to the table, no matter if you're following the book traction word for word, or if you're making it up as you go along, what you do is unique. Mm. Why is it so hard for people to grab onto that sometimes? Like, it seems like even sometimes people are waiting. I mean, I know I've had these conversations of people who've asked me, even new entrepreneurs who've asked me for me to tell them what they should go sell. And especially when I don't even really know them, it's interesting how people sometimes they don't have, I don't know if it's a self-awareness deal, but they aren't really super clear on that uniqueness, especially from what's valuable to a potential customer. I, I think it's as simple as fear of missing out. That's all it is. Because if you want to sell something unique, you got to really invest time in creating that unique thing. You can't just say like, well, I have this idea. Do you want to buy it? No. People are going to ask, what do I get? People are going to ask, what's the process that we're going to go through? People are going to ask, what are the risks? Who have you done it for in the past? So there's a lot of focus. There's a lot of preparation, just like any other service. But unlike any other service, you can't go to HubSpot and get eight weeks of training on how to do it. And you can't go to a conference and get thousands of people worth a rah-rah confidence uh, that you're doing the right thing. And you're going to look at all those people that are celebrating and drinking and laughing about their you know, content production contracts. And you're going to go, man, that looks pretty nice. I think, oh, I think I'm missing out. And then you're going to go back and you're going to get one, you're going to get a content deal. And then your life's going to be over because it's 5% profit margin and you're going to lose the client and, and you're screwed mm -hmm. and you lose that focus. I think that's all it is. I think it boils down to just your people are looking around going, I think it would be better on that side of the river. And uh, they just do what everyone else does. Mm -hmm. You know, that's why unique things are hard to come by. Well, and some people, they live in the phrase, the grass is always greener. I mean, they literally cannot help themselves, but think about what needs to change, what they don't have, what, where they need to be professionally, where they need to be, you know, money wise. And some of these things are worth thinking about, but some people just cannot think other than those terms. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's a mind, it's a mindset <laughs> shift and, and maybe the most powerful takeaway 